Oh, Heavenly Father, you are our living hope. You sent us Jesus, the, the hope of the world, and he is the hope of our lives. He's the hope for the challenges that we have in front of us, both as a, as a nation, as a world, and down to ourselves. God, you're the hope of our salvation. You're the hope of our eternity. You're the hope in the middle of the difficulties, those financial difficulties. You are our hope. Those health challenges, you are our hope. God, for our families, you are our hope. And so God, speak to us from your hope today, from your word, and help us to never be the same. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Y'all can have a seat. How are you doing this morning? Sounds like you're doing good. Yeah? All right. All right. It's like, you're, you're like, well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, I get it. That's fine. Hey, I want to let you know before we dive in this morning that we're doing life group signups. So life groups are our small groups. It's the way we connect in community. We believe that small groups are the, are the best way for us to spiritually grow, to grow together. And so after this service, after each service out in the lobby, you'll see kind of in our life group area, myself, some of our other leaders over there, we're going to have information, uh, answer questions, all those kinds of things for you to get connected in a group, which are launching in the month of September, just a couple of weeks from now. So once again, if you are already in a group, if you were in it last semester and you're continuing with the same one, you don't need to do anything. If you've never been in one or it's been a long time since you have been, uh, meet us out there. We'll give you the info. You'll see the different groups, what nights they are, what works, what's the best fit for you. And uh, it's just one of the, the best things to be a part of. One of the best things we do as a church is the, the relationships that come out of those groups and the faith that comes out of those groups. There's nothing like it. So remember, after the service out in the lobby. So and I got to start out, unfortunately, and, and say that I've got good news and bad news for you this morning. Okay? What did you, what, I just ask you, which do you want first? The bad news? Bad news. Okay, so we got the disciplined people over here, and we got the emotional people like that. Encourage me first before you say bad. No, we're going to go with the bad news first. We're going to get that out of the way. Then we're going to bring the good news out. So we're going with the middle section. And the bad news is simply this, that... Uh, a huge number of Christian young adults are leaving the faith as they leave the nest. Uh, this, this is coming out, this is nothing new. It's been coming out in surveys and, and studies all over the place. And here's just a couple of them. A recent survey shows that two-thirds of Christian youth stop attending church between the ages of 18 and 22. A similar study from major denominations indicates that that they are currently losing 70 to 80% of their youth after their freshman year in college. Another study finds most studies indicate between 45 to 50% of youth leave the church after their freshman year in college and never return. Folks, this is a big deal. Why, why are so many kids growing up and leaving the faith? These are, are not ones that grew up far from God. They grew up knowing about God and left anyway. I think author Tim Bissett in his book, Why Christian Kids Lead the Faith, says it in a surprisingly simple way. They left because they never personally owned their faith. Does that make sense? They left because they never personally owned their faith. It, it was a faith of mom or dad or grandmother, grandfather, whatever that is, but it never became their own along the way. And so once that, that kind of uh, area that home church once they're out of that they didn't take their faith with them because it was really not fully their faith yet and so friends you know we look at that and and that's got to change 
There's a, there's a problem there, and it's a problem that needs to change. And I think for some of us that have been maybe aware for a while, we've kind of resigned ourselves a little bit, just like, well, that's just the way it is, and so let's just keep on doing the same thing. But as we all, all know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? We, we get that. So something has to change. A little bit more on the bad news. Hang with me. Do you know that less than 10% of kids whose parents go to church have any kind of faith discussion during the week? Less than 10%. And so as at our coming to church, we're, we're coming, we're getting our kids ready, we're taking them to their, their classroom, we're coming in here, we get back in the car, we go home, and we don't talk about it after that. That's the vast majority of families in the church. So not picking on any one person here, this is, this is all of us. And we can understand maybe how this has developed over time because we get that we've become a service economy, right? That's kind of the, just the world we live in. We outsource everything. We outsource our, our, well, I was gonna say our yards. I took mine back. I probably need to outsource it again if you saw my yard, but you know, but we, we outsource these things, making our meals, washing our clothes, and we've outsourced the spiritual formation of our children. Saying, oh no, that's, that's the church's job, right? That's for them to do, that's what they're there for. And so, so we, we kind of, once again, we follow this pattern again and again, and the situation's getting worse, not better. And so, okay, Rance, I'm, I'm ready, that's bad news enough. What's the good news? What's the good news here? And there is good news here for us today. I want you to get that right off, right off the bat. The good news is today, the good news is that for parents and families, that you are not in this alone. And that good news, that's one of the toughest things whatever you're going through, to feel like you're alone going through it. But to know that other people can empathize and sympathize with you, other people are going through it, and other people wanna help you, then that's a big deal. Because the good news is, you guys, the church does have a job in this. The church does have a job. The job of the church is to equip you as parents and those of you fulfilling a parenting role to, to kids in whatever form or fashion. Maybe it's you know, foster, maybe it's you know, grandparents raising or just have a, a good chunk of the time, whatever that looks like. The church does have a job to equip you and come alongside of you and help you in what you're doing. But there's just only one thing that we can't do and that is we cannot do your job for you. Does that make sense? We, we get the, the fact that, that God has called those of us in the parent or the parenting role to be the primary spiritual leader of our children. It's the, it's the primary ground by which we disciple, where we help raise our kids and our grandkids in the faith. So how does this work? How does this happen? Well, we, we've started to think more and more intentionally about it. And, uh, you know, we want you to know that as you've been trying to raise your, your kids, be a part of your grandkids and so forth, yes, we've got an amazing staff, we've got amazing volunteers that can, can come and do some amazing things in the hour or two that we have the kids, that we have the students. But at the end of the day, you have them 24-7, you have them the whole rest of the time, and so you're much more able to have a, a big influence on your kids' faith. And that's for us to come alongside and help you with that. So we've got to ask ourselves, how can we do a better job of introducing our own children to Christ? And that goes beyond parenting. We're not just thinking parenting, we're thinking about the family here. So how can we help couples to build a stronger marriage? 
How can we help single adults to navigate some of the most difficult times in life? How can we help single parents who are doing the jobs of two people on their own? How can we help grandparents as they seek to help their kids uh, with their grandkids? How can we get better at building faith at home? That's what we're talking about in the next few minutes, how we can get better at building our faith at home. And so you might have noticed, I don't know if it came up on the screen or not, but I think it's on, on the website that uh, under my name, besides Next Steps Pastor, now you'll see this other title, Family Pastor. And this is because our church leadership has decided to make a shift from just kind of the regular children's student philosophy paradigm to a, a focus on this thing called family ministry. And family ministry is really a holistic in its approach. You know, once again, it's, we're still gonna be doing all the great things that we're doing with children and with students. We're gonna keep on and keep doing better at those things. But we recognize that we need to be more intentional. We need to help you out more to resource you in what happens the other, all the other hours that they're with you as a family unit. How can we encourage you in your faith? How can we come alongside of you? How can we, we equip and resource you to be that primary spiritual leader of your kids uh, with your, or of your grandkids. And so we've been working on this. I'm so excited to be stepping just in alongside with our fantastic children's staff and volunteers and student staff and volunteers and work together towards this kind of united vision about how can we reach the family and how can the family touch the community and change the world. That's what we're talking about. So we're looking at four basic things on this path to, to building faith at home, four-part strategy to build faith at home. And the first one starts with a declaration. It's always good to kind of declare what we're about. And the, de the declaration, the thing that we're saying here is we want to declare that all families are important to God and all families can glorify God. Isn't that good news today? Not just the, the, this type of family with this kind of makeup and setup, and that's the, if you're not one of those things, then you really, you can't follow God or train to, to, to know God or make a difference for God. No, we believe that God wants to work in and through all kinds of family. He wants to help singles. Maybe you've never thought if you're a single and you don't have kids or at least they're not at home or whatever, you know, you, you just think of, well, I'm, I'm out of this conversation, right, Rance, because you're talking about family and I'm one person. Well, family starts with one person. And yeah, if, if you're a single, you are a family. You're a one-person family at this point, but you are a family, and some of these same principles apply to you, and we want to come alongside you and help you through that singleness. Whether you're going to be single for ultimately a short period of time or for the rest of your life, we want to come alongside of you. We want to definitely help single parents. I've, years back, I was a single parent. I know something about that, how hard that is, how difficult it is, this one person trying to do the job of two. And so to, to come alongside you as a, as a single parent in your attempt to, to lead and feed your family, it's a big deal. He wants to help uh, the blended family. I ha anybody have a blended family in the room by any chance? You didn't like, what is that exactly? <laughs> Just like, Rance, I, I'm, I have a blended family. I didn't, it takes me longer to get it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're starting to, starting to show it there. Let's do it. How many of you have the blended family in the room? Okay, a lot of us. That's a tough one. There's a, a number of us here because you're taking two different families and you're trying to blend, you're trying to put those together to make one cohesive family. There's so many challenges with that. But if, if you know them going in or even after the fact, you can learn on the other side, it can make a huge difference in the health uh, and longevity of your family. He wants us to help you empty nesters 
who now have this great freedom, right? So you're, you're empty nester, kids have gone, and you've got this freedom, and you've got all this you know, time and talent and treasures. But here's the thing, folks. It's like Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility, right? You have the ability to impact uh, you know, not only your own family, even if they're, they're not living with you anymore, uh, and potentially other families. He wants grandparents to understand the job's not done. Uh, basically, it didn't happen just with the kids. You're like, I, I know the job's not done. <laughs> I'm still doing a fair amount of that. But you have this idea, this, this God wants for you, it's called leaving a legacy and impacting the lives of kids and grandkids. And so we want to declare that all families are important and all families can glorify God. And we're going to be looking to help in the, in the days, the weeks, the months ahead to, to equip families to, to be the primary spiritual leaders of their kids. And that's where we're going. So that's our declaration. The second part of our strategy is home life. And you're familiar with this. This is the part that we've already been doing. We started this off uh, some months back now and, and we opened it up. And it's a place for family out there in our lobby where any, any person, any family can come and get resources and to understand what has been there already in our home life center and also in this new thing that we call faith path you've been noticing some of the t-shirts around here this morning we want to help you to understand that a little bit better so let's take a moment and let's watch this well i'm here at our home life center with our home life coordinator darcy brady and uh, darcy we have some amazing resources here uh, at home life why don't you take us Take a moment and let us know a little bit more about some of those. Okay. Well, you know, when we launched Home Life, we were looking for something that would make families be more intentional throughout the week, not just on Sundays. And one of the things we found is that you need to give people things to focus on. So maybe it's things that they're struggling with in their family, trying to build a strong marriage or a prodigal child or addiction or even finances. So we have over 30 pointers on our Home Life wall that give them tools that can help them through that specific situation. Well, we've got something new going on right now as well. And if you maybe haven't noticed, we've got these t-shirts on talking about Faith Path. I'm Faith Path ready. So what is Faith Path? Well, Faith Path gives parents tools and resources to help their child grow in their faith one step at a time. From birth to 18, there's 12 different steps along the path. And every year on the child's birthday, we're going to send an email to the parents reminding them that it's time for their child to take that next step. Depending on the child's age or maturity level, they may be moving from the blessing to family time to prayer, purity, or even the launch, which is where my kids are. You can also come to the church and pick up a free gift specific to that step or download any of our online resources. Absolutely. And so all these resources are available all the time. Our physical resources are here during our office hours during the week or our services on Sunday. Otherwise, Pretty much all these resources are available at our Home Life page at newlifeonline.com. There we go. Could we, yeah, just give a hand for Darcy, especially right now, our leader of the ministry and our great team. You see some of the other team members with this on around here. And yeah, so we've got this great blend of these kinds of things. You see them covering the wall in the lobby there, these pointers that Darcy mentioned. And so these deal with all sorts of different topics. This particular one is on adolescence. I think, I think it should be more like a book, but it starts. <laughs> it starts with, with this, and it kind of gives you some great ideas and some foundations, parenting adolescence, and it goes into so many other areas of that. 
So that is currently there, and that's going to continue to be there. We're actually expanding that a little bit. And then here's the faith path packet that she mentioned. And in here, just what a great thing to notice. Part of the thing with resources uh, is the fact that, you know, getting the right ones at the right time. Anybody ever kind of overwhelmed by, like, that there's so many resources it's hard to pick ever? Is it just me? Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor around here, and I get intimidated and put off by there's so many resources what do I choose where do I start this is a great way to go about it because this gives you the resources that you need uh, for your family and parenting at the time that you need them so starting from I think uh, five years old all the way up to 18 every year if you're signed up for this program for, for yourself and your children you will get that uh, an email from Pastor Tom uh, saying hey happy birthday Sophie, or whatever your, your daughter's name happens to be. That's a pretty good shot. Some, there's a Sophie in here somewhere, right? And uh, you know, with that, she will get this, this material, you will get this material that's specifically age designed for your, your child that you can use to help them in key areas like, like uh, prayer. Maybe it's, uh, it is going into, into adolescence in more detail. Maybe in, all the way up to 18, talking about launching out from the family. Somebody say, I'd love if my family, my kids went out to, uh, thank you. I look like, you're struggling. I look like a, okay. So that's our, <laughs> I look like I'm struggling. That's totally, that's not. <laughs> and, it's the, and it's the safety team too. <laughs> I don't know. Do I need to, am I feeling like I've got it? Okay. I got to do it. The safety team told me I have to drink some water. Hmm. Wow, water is good. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate that. <laughs> Sitting up here with, with cases of water all around me. Okay, where was I? Anyway, okay, so, and then with this faith path, it's getting those, getting those sent to you, and you can get the email, and you can come by and get the packet, whatever that is appropriate for your child that age, or it is available online. It can be emailed to you as well. So, so as much as possible, we try to just reach out to you when you sign up for this uh, faith path resource so once you get on the on the tables on the way out you'll see we've got these big tables by either door we've got these packets we just encourage you to take one per family and so even if like say you're, it's grandparents but you've got grandkids encourage you to do that because that's some some way that you can still have that impact and influence on the grandkids so pick one up just be familiar with it and then once you're signed up you'll get these things automatically sent uh, each year uh, for your kids in that parenting role. Fantastic resource. Excited to start that here today. And so from there, that's part three, that's parts two and three. And then finally, the one that we're not doing yet, but we just want to give you a heads up on is about twice a year, we're going to be having these things called home life initiatives, home life initiatives. And one of the particular days we're, uh, that we're going to pick out to do it during the year, a couple different times. We're going to pick topics and do like more of a deep dive into them. And so maybe it's about spending time as a family, and it's about maybe having meals together, learning how to pray together as a family. We're gonna, definitely going to take one time, one Sunday, and we're going to talk about technology and your family and how you can make work tech better for you and for your kids. And so we're going to really kind of do these kind of like drip feedings throughout the year that we believe can make a big difference in our lives, in our parenting, in our families. Now, 
If you have a Bible right now, I encourage you to open up, whether you've got a hard copy or you have it on your phone, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to take a little time in there really to kind of go behind the, the, the why behind these things. We're, we're getting these things from Scripture because it is so important to know the Scriptural Foundation and know the why behind what we're doing here with this new ministry. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 and starting in verse 1. It's the New Living Translation. You can follow along with me that these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. So this is, this is God having spoken to Moses and Moses communicating to the children of Israel. He says, you must obey them in the land that you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. Be careful today to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, the Lord is God alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving to you today. Repeat them again and again to your Children, talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. And so we see here so much here, but probably the most familiar is, is verses four and five. These verses were known to the Hebrew people as the Shema. And this is a prayer the Israelites would pray in the morning and then again at the end of the day as a family. So this would be very familiar to them when Jesus was asked, what is the most important command? Jesus quoted from this, from the Shema, to those who asked him when he said, love God with your heart, your soul, and your strength. So God is, is, is challenging us to step into loving God in three dimensions, in three different ways. One is we want to love God emotionally from the heart. We want to love God emotionally from the heart. So this is not something that we're, we're like, it's all about emotions, but we don't disengage our emotions either. So we, we, we let ourselves uh, feel what we feel. And we let those, those emotions we have draw us to God. And not only that, we also love him willingly from our soul. This is the, the place within us that God has, has designated that our will comes from, our decision-making ability uh, comes from. And that we're, we're engaged at that, at that soul level with him. And then finally, we want to love God intentionally with our strength. With our strength, with our abilities, with, our, with the power that we have. And, and we might look at our life and say, well, I'm not strong at this or that. But God has created all of us with different strengths. And when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have the strength of the Holy Spirit within us, Right? We have the spirit of Christ within us that we have amazing strength and this helps us to put into practice what we're talking about. This is the difference between just believing something and having faith in something or someone to step out and actually be obedient and take steps with him. And so, so it's easy to go, you know, okay, Rance, I got that. Love the Lord your heart with all your, I, I know that one, but it's important for us to drill down on this with, with a few key questions We'll take a look at three questions about life and love. And the first one is, what is most important in life? What he says here, if you look back at verse one, is you keep the commandments of God that you might obey them, not just hear them, but do them. Why is that a big deal? Take a look at verse five again. 
here, and it says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. It says that, that loving the Lord our God, that, that following what he's saying, being obedient, isn't about keeping rules for rules' sake. It's about loving God. It's not about religion. It's about what? Relationship. And particularly about loving relationship. Starting with a loving relationship with God and loving relationship with others. And this is a big deal. A lot of us get you know, put off by, well, you look at Scripture and you look at all the commands and the things that it says to do, but when you recognize it's not about doing things to earn the love of God, but by, rather by trusting and having a love relationship with God as our Heavenly Father, when He speaks to us from His Word and by the power of the Spirit speaking to our hearts, we recognize, you know what, this is what God says. I have a choice there in the moment. Do I really have faith in God or don't I? When I see that thing, that command that's telling me to do something, the thing that's, that scares me, the thing that's tough, the thing that I, I might fear, am I going to trust God and step out and do it at that moment and obey in that moment because I trust that God has better, better view, better eyes on my life and better understanding than, than I do for myself? Man, that comes when I'm willing to do that and take that step. And then he meets me there and he shows up and he shows out and I experience him and now my faith is elevated. Now I'm ready to take the next step. You see how that works? And that's what God wants for each and every one of us. But it starts with that loving relationship, asking Jesus Christ to come into our lives, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and, and put our faith in him and then live and walk in, in the path laid out by the word of God and and in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's God's calling on us. It's, it is that relationship. So that's the what part. The next question is we need to ask about this is the why question. Why? Why is it so important to live a life of love? Look at what Moses says in verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talking about God's commands. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed. And when you're getting up. See, we get that it's not just like repeat, the, have someone else repeat them for an hour when you take them to church and then take them to church next week. Is that what it says? No, no, it's talking about this is a way of life. It's living it out. It's speaking into it. It's living it. This is the, the thing that God calls all of us who are parents and those in a parenting role in some form or fashion to, to a child. And so it's important to, to talk about how to live a life of love because the, the fact at the end of the day is folks, more is caught than taught, isn't it? More is caught than taught. We need to teach, of course, what our kids what they need to know, but we need to live it out with them. And to do that, we've got we've to be willing to, to lean in and to live this because we can't teach our kids something that we're not doing. We can't lead our kids in a direction that we're not going. And so that starts with us. It starts with us. You know, when God gave Abraham a promise, he said, Abraham, I'm not only going to turn your family into a nation through your family, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And that's the amazing thing that happens here, folks, is when we, we start being intentional at a greater level in, in parenting with our kids, that we're, we're stepping out, we're stepping out in faith, and hopefully we're not being, only being used by God to change our children's and our grandchildren's lives we're also praying that god would you use our family to change other families lives 
We get that? It's not just that we might be blessed, but that we might, as God blesses us, become a blessing for others. It's a bigger picture. We talk about a purpose. I remember my oldest daughter now, she's like 30-something, crazy, because I'm just not that old. Um, <laughs> just hit me. And, and I remember, I she think she was like early, mid-teenager one day, and she just she was really struggling, wrestling with the whole adolescence, just like, Dad, I just started like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And just even to hear that in the way she said, it just kind of broke my heart in that moment that, man, what a, what a tough thing. And whether, whether our kids consciously think that at some point or it's more subconscious, man, they, they need that answer. But when we basically tell our kids because of the way we're living and showing them, you know, it's all about you. And that's, that's not a very big purpose, is it? but to know that they can have an impact on the lives of those around them and ultimately to, they can have an impact on people that they meet and as they might have a family, that that family could impact others and ultimately that could touch and change the world. Folks, that's a big purpose. Man, there's, there's so much there for us to dive into and give us meaning and direction in our lives and our kids need that. They need that from us. So we see that it's key why is it important to live a life of love? It's because more is caught than taught. Once again, we don't have to be perfect with it, but we've got to start doing it. We've got to start living it to the next level. So the final question here is the how, the how question. How do I live a life of love? What does that look like in real life, in real time? Once again, in verse 6, it says, you must commit yourself, what? Wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. I love that. I love that. We do it by obeying with our whole heart, our whole heart. That's, that's big. In the scripture in Revelation, you know, the scripture talks about that God says, I, I really wish you were one way or the other, that you were hot or cold, not lukewarm in the middle. Either, either follow me full on or don't follow me at all. But this middle road, I didn't design my relationship with you to be halfway. And so this idea of being wholehearted is a big deal for our lives. No wonder so many of us get stuck along the way in our, in our faith. And those of you especially have been believers for a while, you, you've lived out longer, and you know how many times maybe you've got stuck in the different ways that you do. And the way we get stuck so often is we're not, we get to a point and we, we don't live wholehearted in the moment, and then we kind of get used to like doing a halfway kind of relationship with God, like an afterthought relationship with God. And then we don't, we're bored, we feel stale, we feel like there's a disconnect why? Because God never called us to live our relationship with him that way. Not half, half-hearted doesn't work with God. It wasn't designed to. Wholehearted, that's what God wants. That's what God desires from us. And that's how he wants to see us, not only walking it out with him, but walking it out with our kids. So, so like, as we do that, we're going to see parents, like the mom taking her daughter out, and they're taking a hike, and they're, they're looking at, you know, the beautiful you know, nature around them, and, and the mom tells her, you know what, look at how beautiful God made all this. You need to know that God made you beautiful as well, and it's not just about the outward appearance, but in your heart, and this is the kind of value that God gives you. He says, you know, he, he knows what's happening with the birds and the flowers. How much more does he value you? Or it's the dad that sits down with his son. He knows his son is struggling with an area, and he, he pulls out the Bible and says, Son, I know you're struggling with this, and so you know, here's what the Word of God says about that, and I just want to let you know that uh, I, I believe in that. I've seen the power of that because I struggled with this too, and you know, it's, 
it's okay, but I, you know, I, I tried to do it without God and it didn't go well. But when I turned to God and I applied the scripture to my life, it, it changed, it fully changed that area. And so you can trust this and you're not going through this alone. Does that make sense? And so we, we can see as we live this out wholehearted, it starts to spill into the lives of our kids and they see it and they see the difference in, in us, in this path, in this process together. And I just wanna highlight just a few more things to, that, that need to happen to make this work before we wrap things up this morning. And one is, you know, we have to be with our kids to do this. We have to be with our kids to do this. And we're not getting into this thing, is it quality time? Is it qual- quantity time? It's both. Because <laughs> anybody who's a parent knows that, that those moments that happen with your kids, those moments of openness, that open, the moments of difficulty where they're looking for some guidance, they don't just happen from nine to five, do they? They don't happen at convenient times. They happen at the strangest times sometimes. So to be, to be willing and to be around and be there with your kids in the best way, best way possible is to be open to that, to, to be available to God for that. Well, not only we need to be with our kids, we also have to be transparent with our kids. We've gotta be authentic with their kids. Will they hear us uh, admit clearly you know, I'm, man, I am not perfect. I mean, just try saying that to your kids sometimes. And they're like, was that ever a question? <laughs> they, they know it. <laughs> Whether we've ever said it to them, they know it. But to hear you and I say it to them, and it speaks volumes. And, the, and it speaks the fact that, that, that we can have dialogue about the, th- the ways that we're maybe doing it well, maybe the ways we're not doing it so well, but that we own that. And maybe even when we do things that are wrong, that, that are hurtful, to our kids, that we'd come back and be quick to say, you know what, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And there's pushback from some of us. It's just like, well, I'm the parent. Being a parent means never having to say you're sorry, right? No, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. When we love our kids and we do wrong, we want them to you know, not be perfect, but to do our best in the power of God following his word. And then when we fall short, to confess it to God, to our child as is appropriate and move forward in his grace. And so we have to be transparent with our kids. And as we do this, as we come down to the end of this passage here, we're gonna see two things, two portions of scripture. We're gonna see a warning and a promise. A warning and a promise. The warning we see in verse 12, is it says this, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. We must fear the Lord our God and serve him. When you take an oath, you must use only his name. You must not worship any of the gods of neighboring nations. And so he warns them that they move from being slaves to being free people in a promised land. They're gonna be hit with prosperity. Going from slavery to prosperity, he knows that it's gonna open up a whole lot of things. They're gonna create distractions and, and, and help them to, to, to get their eyes off of what's important and what's good and God's will for their lives with so much so much around them, so much stuff, so many experiences that can distract them. But this is why he, he brings it back. Do not forget the Lord. We're to, to keep God first in our own lives, in our own families. So that's the warning. And then finally, though, a promise. A promise in verse 10 where he says, the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you. And he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a land with large land with large prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods that you didn't produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. You will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. 
Here's the thing. If you worry about important things, God will take care of the little things. That's what he's saying here. If you focus on God and, and focus on the important things, God will take care of those little things in your life. Jesus says the same thing to us in Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. There's nothing more important than loving relationships. And the most important relationship in our life is the one we have with God. And so we're gonna love him with all our heart, mind, and strength. And we're gonna lead our families to do the same. Let's pray. Lord, we... We know that there's awesome responsibility to be involved in, the, in the, ra- the raising and the leading of a child, whatever form that looks like for us. And God, that's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a good thing. It's, I believe it's definitely kind of put in and baked into how you've made us that our families can, they can bring out the best in us and they can bring out the worst too. But Lord, even that is on purpose, that we might deal with the sin, that we might deal with the flesh, we might deal with the things that aren't so pretty that come out as we're interacting with our spouse, with our kids, with extended family. And God, instead of letting the enemy take those moments and drive us away, God, I pray that you would take those moments and draw us in, draw us near, near to you, and near to one another. And so God, I just pray over us here as a, as a church for, for all the individual families represented, those watching at home online, God, that you would do a new thing. And whether that's good things that are already happening and building on those, or whether it's a, our families are on the rocks, that things are breaking up and splitting up and, and not going well, God, that you would come and that we'd engage with you, we'd go deeper, we'd love you more deeply, we'd serve you more honestly and openly, we'd be hot with this passion for you and for our love relationship with you that would spill out into the others that we love. And God, I pray for us as a church. I pray for, for our leaders, for our staff, for our volunteer leaders, all of us, that together that we could become a church that resources the family, resources godly family like few others. We're saying, God, here we are. We see the problem. We see kids falling away. We see all that. And we say, here we are, send us. And God, we know that when we do that, you're gonna do exceedingly abundantly in our families more than we ask or think. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.